Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be free of spoilers of future episodes, but we got full spoilers on for previous episodes we've discussed on the podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm using my one yearly cigarette to burn the shit out of my ex. (laughs) And I'm Harrison, and... Like Drusilla, I know what sounds a cow makes. It's moo. (laughs) Jason, what episode are we watching today? Harrison, we are watching Angel Season 2, Episode 11, Redefinition. This is the one where Cordy, Wes, and Gunn deal with being unemployed. Uh, Lila and Lindsay deal with being on the chopping block (laughs) for Wolferman Hart. And Angel deals with not saying a single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Redefinition was written by Mayor Smith and directed by Michael Grossman, and it originally aired on January 16th, 2001. Hit it. Alright, Jason. What are we drinking today? Well, Harrison, you were nice enough to make us some martinis because a shot's not here <laughs> to make us really fancy drinks. But hey, yeah. um, I feel like uh, it's easy to make a good martini. Uh, that being said, if you want to make a great martini, that takes a little bit of practice. Yeah, uh, this is probably a good martini. Okay, I'd say. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Shall we toast to something? Yeah. Um, so, last night, the Academy Awards, uh, aired. Indeed. And... Indeed they do. Um, last night, in regards to when we are recording this episode, Mm -hmm. you obviously get it a little later, but, uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a certain thing that happened that a lot of people are going to be talking about, but, uh, this toast goes to CODA, um... A movie that I really loved, and um, despite the fact that I don't hold a lot of stock in Oscar win- in winning Oscars, I'm very happy that they were able to bring such a bright light to the deaf community. Mm-hmm. So Cheers. here's to everyone involved with that movie. Loved it. Mm. Solid martini. Thank you. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I mean, like you're right. Oscars are. More or less pointless. Uh, I enjoy watching because I like seeing people that I like get, like, awards for things. And I like getting mad when people I don't like get them. So, but one thing where I do think the Oscars are valuable is when a film like Coda wins. Or when a film like Parasite a couple years ago won. Um, That does have ripple effects that says like to the to the larger um industry like make more films like this mm-hmm. um and um so when films like that win i do i am happy that they get acknowledged and i'm happy that you know more films like that will be funded and get um um will get uh distribution you know there's so many wonderful films out there that don't get made because the people can't get the money or distribution for them and uh you know we just get 
retreads of the same thing every once in a while. Right. So, um, and yeah, Coda was just such a, it was so delightful. I, um, no hate to the power of the dog, which I also, I also thought was a really good movie, it was, but, yeah. um, uh, I'm really glad Coda won. So, um, and I do want to add on, like, uh, like you were saying, um, so there's a, uh, I disliked my very first thing on YouTube, uh, yesterday because, um, there's this account, uh, that I enjoy watching that, um, talks about like, uh, the importance of physical media and does a lot of like 4k reviews and talks about like the nice technical details of everything. Uh, details that I'm like normally not aware of mm-hmm. um, and like I really respect what he has to say about a lot of stuff but last night he went on an angry tirade talking about how like so let me get this straight Dune won all the technical awards and wasn't best picture it like um, and then he said like what really got me though what brought about the dislike was when he said so you have this absolute masterpiece of a movie and instead, you for Best Picture, you chose a movie that everybody's going to forget about and be a trivia question in a couple of years. Wow. And uh, he said, like, um, editing, sound design, production design, that's what makes a movie. And, and I'm like, I feel like you're missing a very big part of movie making, such as story, acting, and just all of that. Yeah. And... I haven't seen the Dune movie, but um, if it's anything like the book, uh, which I'm currently reading, and uh, which I've, and which I've heard that it is, and I mean, it just always looks good in all the trailers. I don't want to watch it until I've read the book, mm-hmm. which is why I haven't watched it yet. I'm sure it's a fantastic film, but, and again, this is like one of the reasons why I try not to hold too much stock in Oscar mm-hmm. um, winning is that. Uh, if you want something to win uh, and it doesn't win, then like it's possible for you to develop animosity towards what did win. Yeah. And, and I think that was a, and this guy whose opinions that I normally value a lot, the fact that he said that one kind of seems ignorant of movies in general. And two is of, and that shot that he took at Coda was very unfair and kind of petty. So. Yeah. People have a bad tendency to um, try to lift up the things they love by mm-hmm. putting other things down. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you like Dune more than Coda and you thought it was more deserving than an Oscar, that's cool. Like, that's, like, totally valid opinion. But, yeah, that's the, the way that that was expressed feels, yeah, petty. I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like it. Like I said, that is, I usually don't go out of my way to dislike things on YouTube because I'm like, what's the point? But um, yeah, I saw that post and it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it was because it's from a channel that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. a guy that I like really enjoyed listening to that he said that. That's why I let, that's why I was like, oh no, dislike. <laughs> I'm still going to watch his stuff because I think yeah. he does have good opinions on like just home media in general, but yeah, that they're like just for a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know, that's enough talking about the Oscars. Let's talk about this episode where so much stuff goes. Oh down. yeah. So uh, yeah, Cordelia walks out and opens the episode just by saying, "What just happened?" 
twice. Yeah. And so obviously Angel has just fired them after uh, his whole like, you know, letting Darla and Drusilla just chow down on those lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought it was really, really rough that he actually made them clean out their desks. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, they're carrying boxes of stuff like if they'd just gotten fired from a bank or something. So, yeah. that was what does What's gun leaving with what did he have he, no no he didn't have a box oh he didn't okay no no then I, I like i specifically looked for that because i'm like okay cordelia and west both have boxes which makes sense like they're usually set up there and I'm like it kind of would be weird if gun had a box he didn't okay and uh yeah and and uh cordelia and west like cordelia is very angry wesley is just trying to kind of be like you know angel needs a space Angel needs to like get over this, and uh, and gun and guns like yeah you know I'm all right. I mean this this cash was nice, but uh, this is a side gig. Yeah. I don't really care. And, He's a uh, liar. Yeah, we'll get to why we'll get to him lying later. Uh, but yeah, so they really don't know what to do. So they all go back to in the in three separate directions to what I assume are their separate domiciles. Uh, meanwhile, Angel, uh, is cleaning out the basement by throwing all of his pictures, all of his drawings of Darla into the furnace, uh, some of which, uh, appear to be very tasteful nudes, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, I guess, like, if you can draw it, uh, why not? Yeah. Uh, uh... That being said, like... I feel like, um, you shouldn't draw somebody nude without their consent, <laughs> but... In fairness, okay, what Darla was doing to him without his consent was pretty fucked. It's really hard to bring consent into this relationship. <laughs> yeah, the issue it's a, it. and I think it's fair to say that this is an unhealthy relationship all around. <laughs> um, Sometimes both sides are in the wrong. <laughs> I want to point out uh, the. Cordy brings in the joke that we constantly make. She's she's like, at least he's consistent. It's always a blonde who's sending him over the edge. <laughs> Thank you for saying it, Cordy, so that we didn't have to. Yeah. And uh, then after after that, we get a voiceover. We do, as I mentioned before, we don't get any dialogue from Angel in this episode, and it's it's kind of cool. You could accept. You could say that it's one of the concept episodes, like Hush, um, but that's not like the thing about this episode. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing about this episode. Like, I mean, you think Hush from Buffy, and you think, oh, that's the episode where nobody can talk. Um, this is just kind of a part of the overall mm-hmm. greatness of this episode. Yeah. Spoiler alert! It's a good. One. I think it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It definitely gives it a, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not a gimmick necessarily, but it does create an atmosphere. And like, you don't even, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't even really I didn't notice until the very end. And uh, yeah, it's like, but it's, even if you don't notice it, it, it still does a great job of creating that uh, vibe. Yes. And uh, the voiceover basically is Angel saying that he can't destroy the monsters of Wolfram and Hart because he can't get to their deaths 
yet. Mm -hmm. So he does some intense training, and uh, he's like, "I am the knight." Yeah, pretty I much. Am yeah, yeah. The, it, he, he's pretty much guys. Uh, Ben Affleck Batman training <laughs> montage of just like, oh, I'm going to like lift this giant tire or whatever, or <laughs> these chains. I, I don't know. I haven't seen Batman vs. Superman in a long time. Uh, but yeah, uh, but let's go back to um, the wine cellar. Yay, the wine cellar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Lindsay is covered with dead bodies, but he is in fact not dead. And, uh, and uh, he, but he's like, oh, okay. And, um, uh, the paramedics are checking on him. They're like, uh, sir, you went through a lot. We need to get you to the hospital. It's like, I'm alive. She left me alive. And he's like, that may be, but we need to get you to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like, she chose me. And then oh like, God. we got a live one over yeah. here. Well, cause, but first he says, I'm the only survivor. <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then one of the paramedics is like, we got a live one over here. And of course... Lila Morgan is still alive. Yeah. And, he, and he looks at her and he's like, oh man. He's so pissed. He's so pissed when he hears that there's another survivor. And then he's even more pissed <laughs> when he sees that it's fucking Lila. Yeah. Okay. So, question. Um, I'm going to say just combine to this episode, or combine to this episode, not necessarily long term, because I do think long term keeping both of these characters alive was the right thing for the show. But does it feel contrived in this episode for you that they, that they survive or does it work for you? What are your thoughts? I think, um, I don't find it contrived yeah. because I like the idea that it shows, I feel that it's been a while since we've seen, a, since we've taken a really deep look at the inner workings of mm -hmm. Wolfram and Hart, I feel that the last time we got the really deep look into it was um, when Lee was killed. Yeah. And so I like that we're able to get that aspect in this episode. And I think one of the reasons that you can have scenes of Angel not talking at all is because you're able to have so much story everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of those big stories is Lila and Lindsay trying to figure out like which one of us is going to die and um, trying to frame the other one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. And it's just, I like that Lindsay survived because it would have seemed very strange for Lindsay to, for his story to have ended there, given what we've seen of him so far in the yeah. series. And I think it just is a nice, dark comic touch that Angel does so well as a series overall that Lila also survived. And her reveal of still surviving is so funny. Yeah. Like, oh, God, not her. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, there are two things that keep this from being like, oh, how convenient. Like, the two named, these two important named characters survived. Um, one is that Holland is dead. Yeah. Like, that. It, that is you not a fake out. Yeah, and you still get, like, yeah, that is the big thing. Like, it's still, it's not like that massacre was without consequences. Exactly, yeah. It's, I don't feel like we kept went out with just a bunch of random extras dying. R.I.P. the, uh, the contracts department. <laughs> um, the other thing that I helps is that is Darla's reasoning for leaving them alive. I One, I believe. 
but it also creates an interesting new dynamic immediately between these two pairs of people. Um, it creates a new dynamic between Darla and Drusilla versus Lila and Lindsay, and it creates... It doesn't create a new dynamic between Lila and Lindsay, um, at least not until the end of the episode, but it does shift their dynamic. It, mm-hmm. or it, not shift it, it ramps it up. It takes the rivalry that existed already between them also, and like, pushes it to 11. And also, I think, um, I feel that the majority of this, of the Wolfram and Hart arc so far, has, this season has been... Lindsay and Holland. Yes. So this allows Lila to take a much bigger mm-hmm. role in the story. And I mean, you guys know we love Lila Morgan. So. And it really, it's great that it pushes them into um, positions of actual power. Mm-hmm. Um, before they've been, you know, junior level associates and whatnot. And they've were you know they've worked their way into slightly higher positions but now they are in position a position a shared position of like actual authority mm-hmm. and and power in this organization which i'm excited to see what that translates to for both of their character arcs and i feel like this is something that you don't see in buffy because your typical villain has their arc over one season right uh, you're big bad. But in this case, um, the having Wolfram and Hart be the sustained big bad throughout the series allows for... Div- it's kind of like... It's a little bit like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. The fact that... Like, the fact that instead of having a ship that goes to different planets, you have your focus, your setting is a stationary space station. It allows for characters in smaller roles, supporting roles, to have long arcs like Garrick, like Rom. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, we can see the development of Lindsay and Lila, even though they may not seem like the main... They never seem like the main antagonists right. of the season. Uh, but it's cool, their position, and the fact that you get to see them slowly build up to whatever their end result is going to be. Yeah. Which we aren't going to talk about yet. We that's, that's spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So they're alive. Yay! Mm-hmm. They live to be shitty people another day! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we see Wesley talking with uh, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia! Yeah. Looking, her, looking at her most Bernadette Petersy. <laughs> so curly <laughs> like it's not just the hair though it's also the face like she's mm-hmm. got like that sort of scrunched face yeah um, she's got like a button nose exactly and, yeah um, I mean absolutely adorable oh, like, she's yeah, so cute she, she, she's a beautiful woman uh, but it's really nice to see her it's really nice to see that uh, Wes still has that connection mm-hmm. um, but yeah and he's trying to yeah, Virginia doesn't really know why Angel would have fired him. Uh, but Wes is trying to be like, oh, you know, is it because, like, Darla and Drusilla have, like, a history or whatever. And, um, yeah, and Virginia's just like, well, I mean, maybe he was jealous of you when you were s- a, such a better angel than him. <laughs> He's like, I don't know about that. He fired Gunn and Cordelia, too. 
So uh, Virginia's being, trying to be really supportive, and she says, like, well, you know, his loss is the world's gain. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of, like, starts putting Wes in the right direction that he ends up with at, he ends up in at the end of this episode. Yeah. I love that she's like, you should go to your union and file a complaint. And he's like, I'm not in a fucking union. <laughs> and I do like that she's like, listen, my father, terrible though he may be, he always use union conjurers. <laughs> you know, it makes me think, is there a union for Wolfram and Hart? Oh, no. Wolfram and Hart shuts down union. They're they're like a union buster. They're, the, okay. they're, they're Walmart. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they shut that down. Uh, yeah. You try to start a union at Wolfram and Hart, uh, they, they take you into the conference room and shoot you. <laughs> that is actually one thing that I was just... It didn't like bother me but it, i was like "Ooh, that feels like a detail that just doesn't feel right is when lila they're worried about basically being killed by their employers let yeah let's and, just go ahead and go into this scene then per- um because it does show a uh, Lindsay and lila like they're getting like the stink eye from so many people <laughs> Lindsay's just like what are you looking at <laughs> yeah but, what are you looking at motherfucker <laughs> lila is concerned that they'll be killed i which i believe but she's Concerned that it will, they'll, that Wolfram and Hart will make it look like a freak accident, which that I don't buy. Wolfram and Hart's gonna—I mean, we've seen them literally execute people, like just in the conference room. R.I.P. Lee Mercer and his little rat face. <laughs> um, and, and they're very much the type of people to like make an example of you. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little detail. Didn't like ruin the episode by any means, but I was like, no, they're gonna, it's gonna be a public hanging. Lila. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay is, um, Lindsay's like, look, we shouldn't be in any trouble. This wasn't our fault. And Lila correctly states, excuse me, did you forget that we work for, that we work for Wolfram and Hart? <laughs> <laughs> and that's true because we have seen, like, in order to preserve Lindsay or somebody else higher up, Somebody lower down has just been like, oh, yeah, we arranged for them to be killed. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, it is not a great place to work. <laughs> um, I was very, very much aware of how Stephanie Romanoff was, um, just towering over Christian Kane. So here's scene. the thing. I think that even without heels, excuse me. Even without heels, I think she's taller than him. I actually looked it up while we were watching because I was like, is she? They're actually the exact same height. They're okay. both 5'9", yeah. but then those you add heels, the heels. Yeah, those <laughs> heels put her just above, man. Yeah. It's it's very much a, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, Robert Downey Jr. sort of yeah. thing. Like, uh, and for viewers, if you don't know, um, in scenes where uh, in Iron Man, when Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow had to like be next to each other, such as like when they're dancing at that party, um, Robert Downey Jr. was on stilts. Yep, because he's a very tiny man. Yep, that's why in the first Avengers movie, in the scene in the two of them, that's why she's barefoot is to help like yeah help navigate that. Yes, um, get that man a Scully box. <laughs> A uh, Josh Hutcherson box. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, um, they walk into Lindsay's office, and guess who's waiting for them? Our girls, Darla and Drusilla. Looking good. Yes, they are. Um, and Darla 
Darla very much knows who she is now. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that, but um, mostly, yeah. When, when confronting Lindsay, she very much knows who she is, and she's like, "Do you wonder why I kept you alive?" And he's like, "Why?" And she's like, "It's because I love you." And then she starts laughing. Drusilla starts laughing. Even Lila starts laughing. To which immediately Darla goes, shut up, Lila. (laughs) And and then Drusilla goes, shh. Uh, This scene has, it's a great scene, but it also just has so many funny moments when, like I referenced at the beginning of the episode when they walk in, Drusilla calls Lindsay a cow and then goes, no, 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 she says he has cow eyes. Cow eyes. Moo. <laughs> and it's it's not just I mean the moo is funny, but it's also this like she does she like lifts her one of her arms like above her head and like reclines while she does it. Yeah, Juliet Landau has mastered uh, the just craziness of Drusilla. Yeah. It's she does it's such a perfect marriage of just bizarre dialogue. Um the body language the dreamy voice she gives it and yeah and the body language that, that like very lithe like uh as Ursula says don't underestimate <laughs> the power of body language <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah oh i love it so much yes and uh darla's basically that i kept both of you alive because uh we want to become big players in this town and you have what we need. You have resources. You have connections. And they're like, why do you need both of us alive? They're like, well, one of you all is probably going to die. <laughs> <laughs> this way we've got, this way we hedge our bets. Yeah, we have options. Yes. <laughs> and um, so then uh, Wes goes to Caritas. Yay. And uh, I believe... Um, He's very nervous. He orders a uh, Bloody Mary. He orders a Bloody Bloody Mary, but has to specify uh, he doesn't want actual blood. Yes. Um, But uh, but yeah, and so he's kind of like thinking to himself like, okay, something by Cat Stevens. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I like that uh, because you can tell that they are both that um, all three of our gang is very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with singing um so like good reason to be yeah it's not like you and me like i feel like we go to karaoke like somebody says let's go to karaoke you're like oh yeah because like you know we we've sung on stage before so um it's always i always kind of forget when people have like karaoke and anxiety i'm like oh yeah that's because there are normal people out there who (laughs) don't just feel the urge to get up in front of everybody and belt out something all right so if you were in this situation, what would... So you've just lost your job. Uh, you have to go to a demon who can put you on your path, uh, but you have to sing karaoke. In this very specific situation, what would be your song choice? So I'm guessing it has to be something that I would uh, sing. I kind of like have to put all your heart and soul into yeah. singing it. Um... And, you know, maybe it might just be a recency bias because it's, like, something that uh, I listened to recently. But um, I would go with the live version of Kelly Clarkson's Beautiful Disaster. Okay. Uh, that's on the Breakaway album. Uh, or maybe um, On My Own from Les Mis. Okay. 
Um, no, I would probably like say, I would probably change the uh, lyrics up to saying like, oh, I'm singing about her instead of singing about him. Uh, or, you know, I could just keep it the way that, I, that it wow. is. Wow, homophobic. <laughs> I'm just saying, it works either way. <laughs> it works no matter what pronouns you go with. Um, yeah, probably that because... Uh-huh. I don't know. For some reason, I have like I have found myself driving, and I'm like, and I've got on my own in my head, and I'm like, you know, if I was ever in like a, a karaoke contest, sometimes they're like, oh, sing a song um, that's usually sung by the opposite gender, and um, or like a different gender. Sorry, that was yeah. very by <laughs> by binary uh, binary. Yeah, <laughs> very binary. Me. Pardon me, um, but yeah. Uh, sing like a song that's normally sung by a different gender and for some reason in my head like lately i've just been singing uh on my own and uh i'm like yeah you know i feel like i can find a good range for that and if it had just been me it would have been even more appropriate <laughs> um what about you yeah i'm the the answer the immediate answer that's coming to my mind is um there's there's one that I got to immediately and one that I like got to upon more thought. Uh, but the first was uh, Patsy Cline, I Fall to Pieces. Okay. It's um, a beautiful song. It's a great song. Um, and is, uh, uh, Xander reminded us back in the first season finale, um, country music is the music of pain. Um, and then is listening to that song later when he's moping. <laughs> um but there, the other song I had in mind was a song called Home by um, Kim Ritchie. I don't know if I'm familiar with that one. Um, you are. You just don't realize okay. it. It is a, uh, it is featured in a se- the season five episode um, uh, Shells. Oh, of Angel. In, oh, yes, of Angel. Okay. In... Uh, a montage at the end of the episode featuring um, a beloved character during happier times. I gotcha. Is that... I was like, am I being vague enough? I mean, as soon as you said shells, I assumed who it was. Yeah. Um, And it's it's just a really pretty song, but it's also like... um, Yeah, I feel like you need to go into the ballad territory because Mm -hmm. I feel like... um, not saying that you can like uh you know rock out with something like you could go up there and sing Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting if you wanted to, but I feel like um, maybe you're more like a maybe to get that heart mm-hmm. um, heart on your sleeve feeling maybe you pick more Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Ooh yeah, uh, actually that's a good choice too. Yeah, and I'm a ballad guy at karaoke most of the time anyway. Unless See, I'm with I'm... Grace, in which case we're doing Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm more of a. Uh, I always am worried that if I pick a ballad at, um, at karaoke, that I'll just bring down the mood. Uh, I feel like I'm more of a. You know, I've done Saturday Nights All Right for Fighting. I've also done. Um, Stacy's mom. Like I go for. Like, oh, have you? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I I try to go for like the high energy numbers because you know people get into that. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and uh, West does see Cordelia there, and Cordelia's ready for uh, Madonna. Um, 
Or Shania Twain. Or Shania Twain. Um, and he, we kind of know that, like, Cordy's uh, strength is not as a singer. Um, I feel like we've, we've seen that before, haven't we? Yes. Um, most prominent... I think it's popped up a couple times, but most prominently, season one, um, the puppet show, she sings... Uh, for the talent, the school talent show, she's singing um, Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's funny how, like, they give Angel shit for when he sings, and yeah, Angel's not great, but at the same time, you guys can't, you guys have no room to talk. No, no. And, uh, yeah, and so, they're like, yeah, we just really don't know what to do, and then Gun shows up, and they're like, what happened to this being a side gig? And he said... Hey man, I got a rep to maintain. I can't let y'all know how much this matters to me, and I immediately just love him even more. I, I am finding every time I rewatch Angel, which is not as frequently as I've rewatched Buffy, but I find I love Gunn and appreciate him as a character more every time. Yeah, and um, and and you know, it's something I think. I really want to grapple with when we get to some stuff in season three with his character um, where my mind has completely changed on what I thought the first time I watched the show um, over whose side I'm on. (laughs) Once again, I'm just like trying to be as vague as possible. But like, um, and like grapple with how much of that was my initial feelings towards Gunn, which were never negative necessarily, but definitely more just like, oh, and this guy's here too. Um, and and grapple with, you know, how much of that was me in my younger age um, with some maybe um, unconscious racial bias that I hadn't worked through or wasn't aware of. And... Um, uh, just, I think that'll be interesting to explore Maybe, as yeah. we go on with the character. It's, it's possible, but I also think um, a factor that can't be denied is that he was a character that was not established in Buffy beforehand. True. Um, like, it's very easy to, oh, you know, get excited to see Cordelia, get excited to see Wes, because we have familiar, familiarity with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you think Doyle... If you think about Doyle, like, Doyle probably would have, like, maybe been in that same sort Mm -hmm. of area. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, we think of, we think of Angel Investigations, probably the first people that come to mind are Wes, Angel, and Cordelia. And so the, the characters that are introduced along the way in this, in this series have a, you know, they've got, they have to establish themselves and... The other characters didn't have to do that. That's true. Uh, but um, I think, yeah, I definitely, this time around, I have grown just a love of Gunn because he, um, he's, I guess maybe when he first showed up the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that I hadn't seen the show before. Yeah. So I didn't realize that he was going to be as big of a character as he was. And um, now that I know where his character goes... I'm really happy to see mm-hmm. to to revisit how he is developed as a character and 
I mean, it's great. We talked about before how he has this kind of outside opinion mm-hmm. that is very valuable because, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, obviously Angel's obsessed with Darla, but, I mean, because Cordelia and Wes know a little bit more about Darla or how Angel's acts around other vampires, they kind of have this bias as well towards Darla. And Gunn is... Yeah. Gun is kind of free of that bias. Yeah, it's good to have that sort of exactly yeah. other perspective. Um, uh, but yeah, and, but yeah, and I do love how he obviously this meant a lot more to him than he's willing to admit, um, and uh, he's even going to sing as well. They're like, well, "What are you going to sing?" It's like you wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so a scene that we did skip over. Oh no! Uh, or. Be, we skipped over because I'm following along the Buffy wiki. Okay, um, but yeah, there is a scene where... Uh, and it... Nothing really happens except it just kind of shows how Angel's training is paying off. Mm-hmm. Because there's just, it just shows this like kind of like group of five or six vampires walking in the sewers. And uh, Angel goes down, kills them all. Yeah. Like relentlessly. It gave me vibes of Buffy doing the exact same thing uh, in Into the Woods. Um, I think that's a very interesting, whether it was done on purpose or not, but a, a very interesting way of both of our heroes um, at real showing them at really low moments um, and how this world that they occupy and um, the you know, their job, essentially, how how that translates to these pretty violent, brutal, you know, uh, beatdowns yeah. of, of the enemy. And I, I gotta say, I really love this fight scene. Yeah, it was good. Like, it, it's great. And it, and I'm glad that we have it because you really don't have, like, there's another part near the end of the episode where you could have had a big fight scene, mm-hmm. but you didn't. So I'm... And I think that works solely because... And I think that works on many for many reasons, but also because you had this fight scene. And it may not seem like a lot because it's just Angel killing some vampires, but it is kind of showing just how ruthless he becomes, especially when mm-hmm. he heads that last one. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because, yeah, because of the way this story is being structured and because of how that scene has to play out, we can't see Angel... We can't see that fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the the end result of it has to be um, when we discover it with Darla and Drusilla. Yes. So you're right. You're absolutely right that to kind of uh, one. So that, well, the angel has an action scene in the episode, like mm-hmm. part, but it's part of it. But two to like show that brutality that presumably happened there as well, but we just couldn't see it. You have to show it here in this scene. Yeah, and so uh, the reason that I brought that up is because uh, when Wes, Cordy, and Gunn are in Caritas, making sure I don't mess up any names. There, <laughs> That's uh, my job. <laughs> I've done it a couple times too. Uh, but um, she does say, oh, you know, we're all here and Angel can just go and be where like nobody's talking to him at all. And then we get our smash cut to him uh waterboarding this demon and he's like i'll talk i'll talk uh yes merle yes Um, is this our first appearance of merle is that merle that's merle i think 
Okay. Um, Let's check the. Yeah, that's Merle. Oh wow! I yeah, like see, I completely forgot about him. And yeah. Yeah. so for listeners, Merle is a extremely minor, like recurring character who essentially this is his role. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of Angel's Willie the Snitch. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a squealer. <laughs> and this actor Sorry. is great. All I can think of is um the Simpsons. It was like in a uh, one of the mafia scenes uh, with Fat Tony. And he says, like, all right, we got, we want to know who's Snitch. And we got two suspects, Tight Lips Johnny and Vinny the Squealer. (laughs) Funny. It's like, Johnny? He's like, I ain't saying nothing. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, I I just looked. I'm wrong, actually. This is not Merle's first uh, uh, episode. He was in the premiere of this season. He helped Angel locate um uh um the girl the, the pregnant trying, woman yeah. yeah um oh fair enough but yeah he is um he's basically trying to uh figure out where darlin drew is and merle's not saying anything until he does yeah uh, and um again like angel's kind of being uh pretty ruthless like he's just like yeah. i'm not saying anything <laughs> but uh yeah merle says that uh darla and drew have been going throughout the like places where demons gather and they're trying to recruit people and uh he gives angel location angel leaves merle just tied up <laughs> he's like hey you, what, what are you doing man don't he literally leaves him hanging and uh, <laughs> it's like vampires <laughs> uh we see a demon fight club yeah. and uh now hang on the there's a link to this in the buffy wiki i wonder if it's oh. the bar and bike club okay so this is its only appearance but that is what it is called <laughs> it's called the bar and bike club uh oh that's what merle says okay i okay yeah, because you got the this yeah this quote here from Merle. You know that little bar and bike club off of La Cienega in Washington. Yes, I heard that line. I didn't think that that was capital B's. Like I thought it was just like yeah. I honestly thought that it was like that La Cienega was the name of the bar. Uh, no, uh, La, La Cienega is a street. Yeah, in well, I know that now. <laughs> um, I think I already knew that because of the Proud family. Um, yes, La Cienega is the name of a character. Like, uh, no, the minute that I heard that, uh, I was like, oh, La Cienega, like the, um, like the, the rich girl, yeah. like the annoying rich girl. La Cienega um, Boulevardes. Okay. What a great name for a snotty rich girl. The, yeah, I, I mean, there are so many good names on there, like, uh, Penny's best friend's Dijonet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a great show. I, I saw more episodes of that than I ever thought I would. Uh, but no, it is a great show. Um, yeah, it was definitely one that, like, I don't know that I, like, follow, followed it, like, but, like, if it was on and I was watching it, I was like, oh, was good. Like, yeah, it was like, I remember, um, getting done with school, going home, and then turning on, like, Mm -hmm. the Disney Channel or something, because, uh, cartoons are just, like... I may not have been in my car in my cartoon watching phase, but car like cartoons are just 
very easy to digest. Mm -hmm. And so I remember watching a lot of Lilo and Stitch the series. Uh, Yeah. And a lot of Proud Family. Yeah. What was your... Did you have, like, a Disney Channel go-to that, like, was your favorite? Like, live action, cartoon, whatever. For me, like, That's So Raven was the pinnacle. Not really. Um, My favorite Disney Channel show ever was done before I was, like, watching Disney Channel. That's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. uh, Which has one of the best theme songs ever. Hell yeah. Um, But yeah, like, we actually... uh, Like, I think that started airing when I was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... And it didn't last for too long. Uh, Last long enough to, like, have, like, an initial impression and stuff. It was, like, one of the early Disney afternoon Mm -hmm. uh, shows. But we had a... um, we had like a tape with two episodes on it, like two episodes from the first season, and I watched the crap out of that. Like my dad even like talks about how when I was a kid, um, we would like want to watch something, and I'd say Rescue Rangers, Rescue Rangers. Uh, um, so but yeah, cute. no, I absolutely love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, it, it is probably the first thing that I watched on Disney Plus when it came out. And, you know uh, what the first thing I watched on Disney Plus was. It's Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. Okay. Hell yeah. Didn't like didn't that come out in November? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. Uh but yeah, um So uh Darla Andrews will go to the Steam and Fight Club, the bar and bike club. Yeah. And uh and uh after like one of the fights is done. They do say, uh, Darla comes up and is like, yeah, I gotta say, it's impressive, but I'm not really getting behind the whole, like, no victims here. <laughs> uh, so she's basically trying to, like, recruit them. Uh, imagine, uh, the, like, uh, the Joker scene, one of the Joker scenes in The Dark Knight. It's like, we're, uh, going through some aggressive, uh, restructuring, <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and... She's trying to be, like, all cool and everything. Um, and Angel's actually in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, he's able to blend in because, one, he's wearing a hoodie. Probably one of the only times you'll see him wearing a hoodie yeah, in the entire weird. series. <laughs> and also, he has his vamp face on. Um, and which is not, like, something that he normally has on. Uh, so, it makes sense that even Darla mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't recognize, wouldn't think to look for him there. However, Drew knows that he's there. Yep. Um, and this is what kind of throws Drusilla off. Like we mentioned before, like Drusilla mostly knows what she's about. Darla. But yeah, excuse me. As Drusilla I, I, does not know I, what she's I, yeah. about. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I knew I was going to do it at least once. Yeah. So it'll probably happen again before the episode's yeah. done. Well, she comes in so assured and she makes that badass when he's like, I've never heard of you. Drusilla rips that guy's ears off and she's like, and now you, you never, never will. will. <laughs> and yeah, so she comes in and she's like a fucking badass and then yeah, when Drusilla starts going, she starts faltering bad. Yeah, Drusilla starts saying that he's watching you, um, like, uh, misses your heartbeat, or you miss you miss him like a heartbeat, yeah. which is kind of crazy, because... Yeah. And she's like, I don't miss yeah. my heartbeat. She's like, shut up, Drew! <laughs> and, um, can we also mention, like, Drusilla's wearing a pink <laughs> turtleneck sweater, yeah. and... It's so weird compared to what Darla's wearing, and also just so weird compared to what Drusilla's worn 
yeah. in every other time we've seen her, but it, it it's not, like, I don't hate it. There's something very creepy about it. And yeah, like, Darla's wearing this, like, uh, leather jacket, leather jacket, like a black bra and a black, like, silk button-up shirt, but she's got, like, one button of it uh, done. Yeah. Uh, she looks amazing. But yeah, she like, always looks amazing. Um, do you think after? Do you think that those clothes belong to to Holland's wife? And after they after they no, murdered, I think, they went. I think it might have been uh, stuff that they stole when they like were on their shopping spree. Okay, fair enough. Um, I yeah, I don't imagine Holland's wife having something like that. Uh, but then again, who knows? Yeah, we didn't know her very well. We didn't. She could have had her dark side. <laughs> Everybody's got a dark side. Uh, but yeah, and, um, so, yeah, it does throw Darla off, so obviously, she's still hung up on Angel, and as we discover, when Angel leaves, he says that he is still attached to her, so he has to get over that. Yeah. Um, but again, he says this via voiceover. Um, so then, uh... Then we get uh, Lindsay in his office. <laughs> Lila walks in, and uh, she says, "Like I can't take it anymore, Lindsay. I'm, the waiting. I mean, as Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> um, I think that was Tom Petty. I don't know. There are sometimes <laughs> I get Tom Petty and uh, Bob Seger's uh, songs mixed up just a little <laughs> bit. And I know like, all the classic rock bands that listen to us are like, you... Fucking asshole. <laughs> um, but uh, it is Tom Petty. Nice. Waiting is the hardest part. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Good job. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Uh, and she says, you know, I remember when you stole files before. You could steal files again. We could like have leverage and we it could just be us against them. And uh, I think... She, I don't know when Lindsay was on to her bullshit. I want to say that probably when she was like trying to imply like, oh yeah, we can fuck too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. See, I have two lines of thought. Um, the first is the second she walks in the door being all like, oh nope, I'm so scared. I'm a timid little girl, which is not, not Lila. like Lila at all. Yeah. Um, but Lindsay is the sort of fucking like, ego egotist who would buy that like even though it's out of character for her um, yeah because Lindsay thinks of himself as a white knight exactly um so but yes i think if he hadn't figured it out by like the second she walked in the door by the time she's kind of trying to seduce him he's like you faking yeah and he he very much like uh pulls the pulls the wire out of her uh, shirt which um consent's really hard to talk about on this on this in the relationships of these characters because where's the line man yeah. i mean i guess the line is you are trying to blackmail me and get me killed uh i don't know uh yeah like th there's a lot of like reaching into people's shirts in this episode <laughs> yeah. because i love that uh while darla is trying to hold it together during that whole recruitment speech she does like 
pull the location of the yeah. of like the place where the warehouse that she wants them all to meet uh, out of um, out of her bra. Yep. So, of that black bra. Nature's pockets. There you go. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> is it nature? Because I mean, bras aren't natural. Are you kidding me? I thought just I thought they just were part of a woman's body. No, believe it or not. Wow, they, that's weird. They're, they're synthetic. I I don't know. That bit, I was like I was like <laughs> where's this bit going? <laughs> that, that, that bit's going nowhere. That bit was dead <laughs> the second it started. Oh. Um, but yeah, so Lila is like, damn it, he caught the microphone. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and Lindsay's not down for letting Lila trick him. Uh-uh. Let's go back to Caritas. Wes, Cordelia, and Gunn are all getting <laughs> wasted <laughs> because, uh, yeah, Cordelia is drinking a margarita. Uh-huh. Gunn is drinking a beer. And Wes is drinking what I assume is like. Just kind of like any standard highball cocktail. If I had to guess, I'd say maybe a gin and tonic. I th- I th- I'm, I'm... He seems like a gin and tonic kind of guy. It seemed like a gin and tonic, but he also had a beer. He was definitely double fisting. Yeah. Um, and we see later that they are like rocking the tequila shots as well. Yeah. This scene is... Unfortunate use of the R word aside. So fucking funny. Yes. <laughs> no, like I love... I mean, I have to say, I think my favorite storyline in this episode goes to Wes Cordy and Gunn. I agree. Because, and I say this because their entire story this season has been leading up, has basically been in support of Angel and his obsession. Mm -hmm. And now they have been forcibly broken away from Angel. And so we get to, and obviously they are directionless even gun um which again like that just kind of goes to show just how much gun has become a part of this group Mm -hmm. uh but yeah and i love that we get them on their own and we get them in this journey Mm -hmm. and it is equal parts like well i think it actually mostly airs on the funny side yeah but we do get like some serious bits at the end but there's like it is a funny scene but there is serious pathos to it yes like and that is i to me that's actually that's great writing where even in the humor the true emotion of it still can come through this was something that triangle that we discussed last week struggled with mm-hmm. um where it sac i felt like we felt like it sacrificed some of the emotion for comedy yeah and here they really are married in a very very good way um the you know everyone flinging blame at each other and uh and like the um uh like the sort of like uh brief alliances that form between yes. different characters that are thrown yeah. away the, the second yeah. it's convenient yeah. the, like um the minute that uh that like wes and gun turn on cordelia and they like clink their glasses <laughs> <Yes>. together <laughs> um or when uh 
or ass pansy. <laughs> Shut up, ass pansy. My ass is not a pansy. You know, I love when, um, and we can say his name now because Harrison <laughs> fucked it up two weeks ago. Yeah. I love when Lauren passes by and just is like, can I get y'all another round? Yes! <laughs> and then, just the piece de resistance. They, when they are, everyone's shouting and yelling and then smash cut to them singing We're the Champions off key as loud as possible. And then they hug before they get to the last line. That's actually so cute and sweet. It it very much kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of um, the episode of Gilmore Girls where like uh, all, like... They're going to a Friday night dinner after the whole, like, Mitchum Huntsberger thing. And everything. Oh, so yeah. And it's like, and it's a series of smash cuts of them yelling at each other for one reason or another, whether it be um, Rory just being completely irresponsible after um, Richard and Richard and Emily took her in. Uh, the obvi- the inevitable going back to how could you get pregnant to Lorelai. <laughs> yeah. But, like... Inner space between all of these yelling matches is just like bits of them sitting and laughing. <laughs> it's so good. And actually, the title of that episode is Friday Nights Are Good for Fighting. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way. And that is in uh, that episode, that in that sequence in particular, is a bright spot in a dark era for the show. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. Um, I was just about to say, like, that might be. The best episode of season six. Oh, far um, away. Maybe with the exception of, uh, and just because I really like Jess, like the first episode when he's back. Yeah. And uh, it's just like when he meets Logan, that fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm like not going to say anything else. Uh, no, that's um, a great. No, but it's a good. The point you're making, though, is really good. It is. Um, and um, that just so, shows, too, how editing is so important mm-hmm. in comedy. Yeah. Um, and I I mention it every time uh, I find there's a really good smash cut in Buffy or Angel. And this is yet another wonderful one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hats off to the editor and director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, the Buffy Wiki kind of, like, groups this. I feel like there's a break after We Are the Champions, but Buffy Wiki like kind of puts it together. Yeah. Uh, I think we probably get like a brief cut to Angel doing mm-hmm. something dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? Never mind. I'll save this to the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so um, they do. Uh, they are in the hangover phase of the uh, of their night, and um, I love that. Oh, God. There was something that they did that was so true to, like, people who are drunk and are, like, just ready to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, uh, even though we just watched the episode. Uh, Sorry, I can't help you. Yeah. Um, But no, Lauren does show up, and uh, they're like, hey, we sang. Tell us what our destiny (laughs) is. And... um, can I just say, Andy Hallett... So good. He, we no, didn't even I, talk about the fact that he fucking crushed Lady Marmalade. Yeah. Um, I. He's a scene stealer, mm-hmm. especially in season two. Um, but no, like, the fact that he... 
the fact that I remember like his presence, like just the whole like, hey, can I get you all another round? <laughs> that was so great. And he like kind of points off like, oh, you guys are right. And uh, they're like, hey, we sang. We need you to tell us what it is. And I love the way he says this, but like, oh, when uh, when the higher ups start talking, I let that. When the higher ups are talking, I let them do the. Uh, I let them do the walking or whatever he mm-hmm. says. And um, while he's saying this, he's taking off his jacket and making a pillow because he can tell that Cordelia is about to have a vision. Yeah. And that is such a nice touch. It's a great touch. Yeah, because. It kind of like really makes you think, what is Lorne? Yeah. Like, what is his connection to the powers that be? I mean, we've talked before about how he is the new stand in for the Oracles yeah. in season one, but the Oracles who have the direct connection to the powers that be, that doesn't seem as, as yeah. cut and dry as what Lorne is. It's more. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, the and then from a storytelling standpoint, it's like yes, Lorne as our new connection to the powers outside of Cordy's visions, of course, um, is much better storytelling than the Oracles. Which is, I love the Oracles and little bitchy, little bitchy gay one, uh, but they're a bit of a they become a narrative problem if you have characters who can communicate directly to the the powers that be that even with the, like you have to bring a gift and all that, um, that becomes a narrative problem when you need the powers to, uh, that be to be at arm's length. Mm-hmm. Lorne. Yeah. His connect, him having some sort of connection, but it's murkier. It, it's, it's more like he, um, you know, I mean, like, that's the thing. He's, like, reading auras and stuff and putting people on their path. So, it's in a way, they are kind of similar to Cordy's visions. He has knowledge of things that he can help them with, but it is more limited, which just makes for better storytelling. Um, yeah. And it, but, yeah, this moment right here is so good. Yeah. And, um, and Cordelia yeah. has the vision, which sobers her, as you said, sobers her up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and I guess Gunn and Wes kind of gets uh, sobered up as well. Uh, she sees a woman being dragged in an alley by, like, a spiky-faced demon. And, uh, yeah, and again, we get, like, a break from this storyline, but let's just keep it all together at this point. Yeah. Uh, that's what the Buffy Wiki does anyway. And uh, so they are able to go to where the demon is. They don't have any weapons. Um, and... Uh, and Corey's like, oh, if Angel were here, you could do this. Gun says, if Angel here, we could do that. And then that's when Wes, of all people, who's been kind of like defending Angel, like, oh, he needs his space. Yeah. Like, it, he's obsessed with this. And he says, like, well, Angel isn't here. And I like that there's a pause because they're like, damn. It's like, one, assertive Wesley. <laughs> <Hot>. <laughs> but also, yeah, they, they kind of... And I love this because we've seen that they're capable. Yeah. Wes, Gunn, and Cordelia are all very capable. And now they have to show it without without Angel. Yep. And they do. They because, fucking yeah, kill it. Yeah. And they, they literally kill it. Yeah, they climb up into the they climb up into the building that this uh, demon has dragged this girl into. They're able to save the girl. Wes does get a l lo- does get bitten a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, uh, he and Gunn are able to put up a pretty good fight against this thing. Yeah. And yeah, and they save the day. They do. Um, before we move on to like what's next, I just want to point out this bit of dialogue. I was looking through the quotes to see if I could find what you were trying to figure out about uh, drunken behavior. Yeah, drunken behavior, which I couldn't find, but I did find some of uh, excerpt of their argument. And it reminded me of this great line from uh, uh, Cordelia towards Gunn. That's rich coming from Mr. I don't take orders. Now, where do I stick my axe? Uh, which, that, was that a perfect recreation of Charisma's line reading? But that, like, dopey dude voice that she puts on on the where do I stick my axe is so funny. Yes. So, um, yeah. Darla and... Um, okay, so, uh, before we get to this, so Angel does go to the place where, um, Darla told all those, like, demons of the Fight Club to meet up, mm-hmm. and, uh... Oh, oh, I remember what was there that is, um, not in here, that broke some of that up. Mm-hmm. It's, um, the scene where Angel is gathering all of his weapons, um, in the Hyperion. Oh, yeah, and, and, and the, the phone, phone is starts ringing. ringing. So yeah, somebody's calling Angel Investigations, and he starts walking towards the phone, but grabs an axe, and then so just good. ignores it. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, if there's any way, like, I don't think there's a clear way to show where Angel is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he goes to the, um, he goes to the warehouse, they say factory in here, he opens up the door and sees, like, a whole bunch of demons, and all he does is just drop his bag of weapons, and... We cut away mm-hmm. to, uh, and let's show, uh, and again, Darla is, is leaving another club. That's like a very demon bouncer, by the way. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a hoodie, but like you can easily see just his crazy demon face. And, uh, yeah. And she says, and Drusilla is like, uh, and Drusilla is, um, trying to say like, oh, still, in her Drusilla way, like, how you're still, like, kind of obsessed with Angel. Yeah. And uh, she's just like, why does everybody just think it's all about Angel? Because <laughs> Lindsay said the same thing. Yeah. Lindsay was like, oh, what are your plans for Angel? And uh, she's like, doesn't matter. Um, then Drusilla's like, oh, I see beautiful fire mm. and pain. The fire is dancing. Honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Darla and Drusilla... When will these people learn to listen to Drusilla when she starts spouting nonsense? Because it ain't nonsense. Yeah. She's um, literally psychic, people. Yeah, and, uh... Yeah, you just gotta, like, put in the effort to kind of parse through it all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they go in... So they open up, um... Yeah, and, uh, that's when, uh, Drusilla says, Oh, uh, ten little soldiers... Uh, one get St- standing in a standing line. in a line. One gets shot. Now there are nine, um, or some ver- mm-hmm. variety of that. That is the um, that is like the uh, famous rhyme of Ten Little Indians, uh, which is and, and other various and other, and other various yeah. names. Um, but also uh, this was used as a um, inspiration for and then there were none. My favorite uh, by Agatha Christie. If you haven't read it read it that book is great it's so good and i was very 
I was very proud that I was able to figure out in the end who was kind of the responsible party. Me. No, you weren't alive when it was written. But I was, remember? I didn't, oh, were you in a production of that? Yeah. I didn't get to see that. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I played I played Justice Wargrave in a stage production. Well, spoiler alert for people who haven't read, and then there were none. <laughs> Jesus. I, listen, we said no spoilers for Buffy or Angel. That's true. <laughs> 70 year old novels are fair game. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, it is funny though because it is one of those books where it's he he is the most obvious suspect. Like everything about him is like screaming, "I am the murderer!" To the point where when I read it, I was like, "Well, can't be him." Like too obvious. No, yeah, like, and I think the only <laughs> thing that really because I will say this about Agatha Christie, um, at least in the two books that I've read, I've read Murder on the Orient Express and. And then there were none. I've only read in them. Were the, okay. And then there were none. Yeah. Excuse and um, But she does do a good job of, even if you think you know who it is, she does make you kind of second guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when it came time, like right before the last chapter, where it's kind of revealed who was responsible for all of this, um, I think I, I kept like trying to go over my head, like, okay, they're all dead. <laughs> so who was it? And I was, and all I could think of was like, I mean, it seems like somebody who is obsessed with justice and yeah, that kind of like led me to that. Yeah. So. The best mystery novels or just mysteries in general, in my opinion, are the ones that give you all the clues so that it is possible for you to solve it. Um, but you, it can't, you can't solve it too early. That's mm-hmm. the way if you figure it out too early and then, it takes forever for the detective or whomever to get there, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Because then it's just like, oh my God. Which I think is why Sherlock Holmes is so brilliant because when, like at the end of any Sherlock Holmes story, uh, when he lays it out, it's like, oh yeah, all of that was there. I just never deduced it because I'm not Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, because he like, he literally lays it all out and it's all stuff that you had seen in the novel he just makes the conclusions that you don't make. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I was reading Murder on the Orient Express, I got to like the very end of it and I'm like, the way that this is written, it's just like, I can't figure out who did it. I really can't. And then I read the ending and I'm like, oh my God. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I don't want to like ruin it for you because I think it's a fun experience. I think I know, but like I think I've picked it up through pop culture osmosis. But so surprisingly, haven't picked up a lot of I'm, Agatha Christie through pop culture osmosis. I think that I mean I think a big part of that is even though Agatha Christie is so famous, like only a handful of her novels. Are, are like super super well known, I and think then there were nine. The two big ones. Those are the two big ones, and I would say Death on the Nile being like the third one, and then the rest of them are various levels of obs- more obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Mouse Trap being the other really famous right. one, but that's a, a stage play. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, anyway, I don't know why we're like distracted for this. We're about to get into like yeah. one of the coolest scenes. I'd say one of the coolest scenes in the entire series. It's definitely just from a filming standpoint probably the most ambitious thing they've ever done yes um but yeah they want and uh but yeah 
And so Drusilla says that rhyme, and uh, and Darla says like ten. I'd be ha- I also be happy if we just had three. Yeah. They open up the door, and they see all of the like demons that were supposed to be there just kind of strewn about. And Drusilla says like all the soldiers have fallen down. Bad, bad soldiers. She's just dead already. Bad soldiers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they see Angel um, sitting on uh, sitting on something. I, th- I can't remember if he was sitting on like a car. Or I think something. it was a car. Yeah. Smoking and, uh, a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. Sexy as hell. Do you remember the last time we saw him smoke a cigarette? It was out of that hooker, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even <laughs> smoke the cigarette. He, it was right when he turned into Angela. Yeah. So like... Sorry for saying hooker, I, listeners. I know sex worker. I was using it for comedic effect. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, so maybe this is a sign that if you see Angel smoking, something's wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like she says Angel and Dar- Andrew says Angelus. And uh, they like, I, I can't even remember what they were saying to him because... Uh, because like what angel does he again he doesn't say anything he just takes a cigarette throws it onto the ground where there is oil mm-hmm. and the fire races to where darla and Drusilla are standing and they ignite he sets those bitches on fire mm-hmm. on fire yes and proving my um my theory that uh, vampires who are more important to the plot are more resistant to sunlight and fire. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's fine. I'll allow it. But no, like, and yeah. So, like, Darla and Drusilla immediately, like, run out. I think uh, Darla has the, uh, crazily enough, has the frame of mind to grab... Um, a sledgehammer. A sledgehammer, yeah. And uh, they... Fortunately, there's a water- fire hydrant right outside, and so they uh, smash the fire hydrant open and are able to put the flames out, but they have n- looked much better oh because, yeah, there are burns all over them, and Drizzo's like, it hurts. Why does it hurt so much? Like, girl, because you just got burned. <laughs> yeah. And Darla says, it, or I think Drew says something along the lines of like, uh, why would Angelus do that to us? She's like, that wasn't Angelus. That was an angel. I don't know what that was. So what are we going to call this this morally bankrupt version of angel? We can't call Devil. him... We can't call him... <laughs> okay. Uh, I was like, we can't call him Dark Angel because that's a Jessica Alba television show. Mm-hmm. For a minute there, I thought that was the uh, Eliza Dushku show, but I believe that was True Calling. True Calling, yep. Which, I mean are probably very different, but I only saw the commercials for them, so <laughs> they look the same. Yeah. I think True Calling is about... She plays, like, a morgue attendant or something who can, like, speak to dead people and... Oh, so Six Feet Under meets uh, Pushing Daisies. Kind of. <laughs> also, I could be so wrong. <laughs> um... When True Davies, okay, starts working at the city morgue, she learns that she can go back in time for one day to help change the fates of both strangers and those close to her. Okay, so I got the first part right. Yeah. Um, that sounds remarkably like Pushing Daisies. Kind of, I, I guess a little kind bit. of, well, it, yeah. it, it feels like it draws a lot from it. Yeah. All right, but yeah, um, so yeah. yeah. This scene 
is insane. Yeah. Like, you, maybe you would think that, uh, because I don't think you saw it coming. Oh, no. Uh, because, Not yeah, the last episode, no the last episode, like, Angel, like, very clearly just lets Darla and Drusilla have at it with the Wolfram mm-hmm. and Hart lawyers. Um, and I don't know if this is, um, if this is Angel trying to prove to himself that he is strong enough to take down Wolfram and Hart because he can take out one of the people that he cares about the most, Darla in this case. Um, And also, Darla does say right before they walk into the garage, factory, whatever, like uh, that Lindsay and Lila, because they're talking about why they kept them alive. Mm -hmm. And um, they're sweet kids. (laughs) Yeah, they're sweet kids. But she's like, I don't even think they know what the what Wolfram and Hart's true plan is for Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we know what his, their true plan was because this is it in action. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and... This is so brutal. It is brutal. Like, you, I feel bad for them. And I shouldn't because they are horrible, horrible, vicious monsters who are pure evil. But I'm like, God damn, this is... Uh, this is very, very brutal. Yeah, and it's... And I, um... And yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Like, this is something... <laughs> said it before, I'll say it again. This is something that I feel like wouldn't work on Buffy. Um, I can't think of an instance of it working. Not for, like... Because, yeah, because Buffy, I don't think, ever goes this morally gray. Um... Uh... I, I won't say, uh, there, there's one moment, but it's, I think there's one moment on Buffy that matches this in brutality and possibly exceeds it, but I guess that, that's, I think that's going to be person by person Fair and enough. what they can take. Um, but yeah, but like, we've seen vampires lit on fire before. We've seen Spike be lit on fire, <laughs> but it's always either a quick dusting or in Spike's case, it's just, it's a joke. <laughs> we've never seen it on Buffy when it's been done like this or it's never done like this in this the burns I mean they're so visceral and yeah. so and there's a couple moments in this episode that are pretty violent for once again we're talking about a specific era of network television but like Drusilla um ripping that demon's ears off and uh gun stabbing that demon in the skull yeah um and I think they can get away with those because they are monsters um and they look like monsters um i'm surprised that they were able to get away with showing this because even though darla and drusilla are monsters they are still human presenting right um yeah also um to the stunt workers yes who did this props i that is like I frequently am in awe of stunt people for all of the things they do, but stuff like this, I'm just like, holy shit. I... Yeah, and, and I feel like uh, shows like Buffy and Angel are, like, they're very stunt heavy. Yeah. And, yeah, they they deserve to, they deserve the round of applause. Great. Um, so, yeah, so after that, uh, Lila and Lindsay are called in by uh, reps from the senior partners, and, uh, this guy basically says that, uh, yeah, so we have a vacancy for executive vice president of special projects. And uh, you two 
Not really looking good either. Of you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, your uh, your whole track record is spotty, and Lila, I mean, you drove away our telekinetic weapon, and uh, I love that. Like first they attack Lindsay, and Lila's got this <laughs> smug so look on her smug. face, and then it's like Miss Morgan, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, but your competition is very healthy. You guys drive each other to be better. Like, oh, this is a toxic ass work environment. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah. So for the moment, they will be joint executive vice presidents of special projects, and this is such corporate bullshit. Yep. <laughs> um, I want to pop in here with this week's gay agenda. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is intentional because I've never caught it before. But when they're walking into the office, Lila says to uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, one of us is going to go down in there. No, she specifically says, she says, you're, you're, gonna, the, you're, you're the, the one, one who's going down. And he says, if it helps. And I was like... No, he says, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, that's right. And I was like... Um, I didn't even think about the possibility that <laughs> Lindsay's gonna like fucking blow the person. I was like, well, because I just, I, I, I guess I've just never paid attention to Lindsay's response, but I cannot think of any other meaning behind it other than him saying like, yeah, that's what it comes to. Yeah, I mean, if I gotta. <laughs> Oh man, I was trying to think of like some weird ass euphemism for a blowjob, and I can't, uh, I, I, I can't get one right for, now. <laughs> uh, for a second, I thought you were about to say like, you know, if I had to give a blowjob to save my life, I would, and to which I was gonna be like, I'll just give a blowjob for any reason. So Lila and Lila and Lindsay are sharing this position of power now. Yay! Um, Angel is in the basement, and he is uh, throwing some knives because you know. Like you do. Yeah. And uh, Wes comes down and he says, just so you know, um, you may have given up on this, but we haven't. We're keeping the agency open. Um, we're going to fight the good fight. And again, in voiceover, Angel says, let them fight the good fight. Someone has to fight the war. Yeah. There's a really good visual here with the throwing knives where he's consistently hitting the bullseye before Wesley comes in. After Wesley tells him that, he, his next knife that he throws misses really mm-hmm. badly. So you can, so clearly he's, yeah. he's a little shook by what Wesley says to him. So we know that no matter what, our angel is still there. Yeah. Um, but then he, yeah, then he steals himself, says this line, throws the last one and hits that bullseye again. So, you know, it's. He's shaken for a second, but he's not going to let that deter him, which is a really, it's a, such a good way to end the yeah. episode. Oh and, my God. and as, and as, um, and as the Buffy wiki does point out, Wesley tells Angel that someone has to fight the good fight, ironically echoing a sentiment that Angel himself taught Doyle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is, and that's, um, that's redefinition. And, uh, gosh, man, this, so good. this storyline has just been, uh, like, running well-oiled on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, and it's so crazy because, uh, 
season five of Buffy, the glory storyline has kind of been like start and stop mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes it stops for good reasons, sometimes it stops for triangle. <laughs> um, again, I overall liked triangle, but in relation to the glory storyline, um, yeah, it, it makes one significant contribution that we'll get into uh yeah. later on down the road indeed but uh because like when we were watching the episode I'm like oh right <laughs> uh but yeah this this is fantastic this i love that um i love what angel becomes here because as we've mentioned before especially in our last angel episode uh reunion how we see angel choose this morally gray thing and as darla said it's not angel it's not the angel that we know it's not angelus it's something else it's this is what happens when angel puts aside that he's able to put aside Mm -hmm. the morality that his soul has cursed him with yeah and yeah it's it's a horrifying thing yeah and it's I, i mentioned this in reunion but it's very much like um uh it's it's what we saw of him in the flashbacks of are you now or have you ever been um which is why just outside of like the you know introducing the hyperion and all of that it's that flashback is so important to inform us about this side of angel um and this it's it's yeah it's not angel because in many ways, this is kind of uh, the mirror of Buffy season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but Angel has not lost his soul, but is losing his humanity. Yes. Um, and that's rough to see. I don't like it. I mean, I like it because it's good telly. But I, I don't I don't like seeing Angel do this. Even to people who maybe arguably deserve it. Um, yeah I am and it does make me worry about you know up up to this point we only we're only seeing him target people who you know are evil and doing bad things and the the, the fear that I have now though is where does that lead when does that stop think about like uh, the end of Game of Thrones how like uh, Tyrion pointed out, like, oh yeah, we were cheering when Daenerys was like killing the bad guys, like the slave drivers and mm-hmm. everything. But uh, then she like started deciding who was evil and who was not, and we started dying. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. I uh, I really enjoy this episode. It's so good. I'm only gonna give it a four point five mm-hmm. though. I feel like it's not as perfect as Reunion was. Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be 4.5 Burning X's out of 5. I can't tell you exactly why. Um, maybe just the overall flow of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just feels like there's just a little thing missing. I can't tell you what it is. Uh, but it's my rating. So... Yeah. Four and a half out of five. It's still a really good episode. I agree. And I'm also right there. 4.5. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really good. But it just... It doesn't have quite that extra oomph to, to bump it up to a five. Um, but that's not a criticism. It's, like, it's still really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has so much for 
every character. Um, and I, and I, you know, I appreciate that it does kind of for the most part sideline Angel outside of just quick cutaways yes. to him. I would imagine if you went through and calculated his screen time, it's probably the lowest it's ever been um, on an episode of Angel. Especially this season because this season yeah. is so Angel heavy. Yeah. So, um, but but by doing that, our other three main storylines all get that being Darla Drusilla, Lila Lindsay, and uh, Angel Investigations trio all get so much room to breathe. And and yeah, and all three of those storylines are fantastic. Yeah, if we had spent any more time with Angel, one of these storylines would have gotten the short shrift, and it would probably be Darla Drusilla. Darla Drusilla, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and yeah, it's just so fucking good. I love, uh, I, I love Darla trying to stake out her independence, but still having that nagging angel thing, uh, that's weighing her down, um, which is a nice parallel to what Angel's dealing with of trying to get rid of her feelings. You know, these are two people who are very bad for one another who can't quit each other. Um, and both of them are trying really hard to um, sever that connection. Um, yeah, and we end with Lila and Lindsay in a really interesting new dynamic that I'm really excited to see how that goes forward. And yeah, I love that Gun Wesley and Cordy can come together and say, you know what, fuck this. You know... We can do this. We can do this. Because that's the thing. They, they go to... It's not like outright stated, but they go to Lorne to figure out what their new path is. And the answer is, there is no new path. They weren't the ones who strayed yeah. from the path. Yeah. Um, it was Angel. You guys were on did. the right track. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Just kind of giving them that validation. It was... I was thinking about this. I was like, why did... I think about this a lot sometimes whenever there's a vision. It's like, why did the power send this particular vision? What about this person is so special that they need to, the powers felt they need to personally get involved? And the answer, in my opinion, is she wasn't. Um, They got this vision to remind themselves that they can do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Um, Because the powers that be work in mysterious ways. Indeed. All right, anything else? So we are now halfway through yeah. both Angel Season 2 and Buffy Season 5. At this point, I would actually say that Angel Season 2 is the better. Mm-hmm. Be- but that is because while one of the main storylines in Angel is in full swing, I feel like the big bad storyline of Buffy really hasn't gotten too far. We've only had a couple of glory episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I am however interested because there's a whole nother storyline in Angel we haven't even gotten to yet uh near the end of the season that I'm excited to see. But Buffy's about to get 
intense mm-hmm. and crazy. Um, so I really kind of want to see where I rank them at yeah. the at the end of this. Yeah, um, that's a that's a great thing to think about. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I know what's coming in Buffy season five, but I think Angel. I'm I, I'm actually fairly confident saying that Angel season two is better paced than Buffy season five. I that does not say that I'm not saying that Angel season two is better than Buffy season mm-hmm. five, but I think pacing is on Angel's side. Yeah, especially at this point. Yes. Um. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I don't know that I would agree with you, ultimately, but also, once again, I am less familiar with Angel than I am with Buffy, and so. You know, this... And, and I've never watched through Angel with this level of a critical eye on mm-hmm. it. So, you know, this is... This watch through of Angel is going to be very different than any watch through I've done. I mean, this watch through of Buffy is obviously as well. But I've always really watched Buffy with a very, very critical eye um, over over the years. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Oof. What an episode. Redefinition. All right. All right. Thank you for joining us. Oh, nope. That's, that's you. That's you. Mm, stealing my thunder. Sorry, man. I'm just excited. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoint, which, to your earlier comments, I do think is kind of, is uh, a bit of a turning point for the season. Um, as we ramp up that intensity. Here we go. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter just plain old yamij. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those cases a and d and please smash that subscribe button below (laughs) just obliterate that subscribe button (laughs) just pound it make Uh, it your pitch (laughs) and rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts give us a little five stars if you would um if you're sexy you'll give us five stars don't put people's sexiness, like, don't hold it hostage. Listen, they give us five Whatever stars. Whatever it takes. <laughs> they are sexy. That's how it works. Everybody who rules. everybody who takes the time to listen to this podcast is sexy. But they're double sexy. Double sexy. <laughs> uh, interesting, uh, interesting Oreo flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting On the Rise. On the Rise's mission is to support the initiative and strength of women living in crisis or homelessness in a physically and psychologically safe environment. On the Rise builds relationships and provides the tools that each woman needs to rise to her potential. Visit www.ontherise.org for more information. Yes. And as always, go slay. And be good. Mm-hmm.